0: Welcome back to the reading and writing podcast. My guest today is two-time Mary Hickens Clark award-winning author, Carol Goodman. Goodman's new novel is The Stranger Behind You. Carol, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Great. Thanks for having me.
0: uh, Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, The Stranger Behind You, how would you describe the novel?
1: Um, well, it's a, a suspenseful thriller, um, and it's also a, um, a, a novel of these times. It's, set, um, it's about a, a reporter, Joan Laurie, who um, has just done an expose on a very important man who is, she's exposed as a sexual predator. And on the night that her story goes live, um, she is attacked on her way home as she enters her apartment and in the in the wake of that she seeks refuge at the safest place she can find which turns out to be an apartment building called the refuge um in northern manhattan so that's that's where it starts out
0: that's great well do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the stranger behind you
1: i actually do you know you don't always um know that origin story right. for every book but um for this book i i think i do there are a couple things that sort of came around the same time and added up to it um the first actually was i mean there, there was the me too movement that was you know going mm-hmm. on that we were all hearing about and you know harvey weinstein and um jeffrey Ep- i don't think jeffrey epstein had actually happened yet um but then i was listening to dr christine blasey ford um, give her testimony about, um, the sexual assault that she endured. And then the lifelong aftermath of that, what she called the sequelae of that attack and the symptoms she described were claustrophobia, panic attacks, um, anxiety. And I found myself weeping as I think a, a lot of women were really like moved and touched by her testimony and, and reflected on um, experiences they had had. But the person I really was weeping for was my mother, who um, I knew had 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 a traumatic childhood, who I knew she had been sexually assaulted when she was 18. Um, And I knew she had had all these symptoms. She had had anxiety and claustrophobia. She slept with the light on her entire life. But somehow i had never really put them together. I'd never realized that what she was suffering was really, you know, uh, this sequelae of that attack. And that made me really want to write something about um something that dealt with the Me Too movement, but that also really um went back in history to, you know, uh situations women had to deal with um many years ago. So sure. I think yeah, that's that that was that was what launched it.
0: Right. Uh, that's some powerful uh, motivation. Well, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and publishing your first novel?
1: Oh, okay. So that goes back a little bit. <laughs> I'm <out laughs> to talk, talking about things that go back because um, it'll be 20 years uh, next year. It will be the 20th anniversary of my first book's publication. Uh, so it was a little over 20 years. Well, I was always a writer. Um, And I mean, since I was nine. That's what I wanted to do, and and um, while I did get a lot of encouragement to that, you know, I had no idea how to go about that. Um, but I wrote uh, poetry in my teens, really bad poetry. I wrote short <laughs> stories in my twenties, didn't get anything published. Um, wrote two novels before I was in my thirties um, or in my early thirties that did not get published. And fi- I did an MFA program. Finally, I. Um, I started getting some stories published and the third novel I wrote, the Lake of Dead Languages, um, that one got an agent and that one, you know, got sold. Um, so, you know, and that I was by that time in my mid thirties. So it was a, you know, I always tell people that's either a happy story or a sad story, depending on how old you are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, what were, what do you, what do you feel like you were learning along the way as you were writing those short stories and then those initial two novels?
1: Well, uh, there were a number of one I was learning just to keep going (laughs) and that you kind of just have to do it at some point because it's what you want to do. Um, and sort of live with that, um, the discouragement that comes along with it, um, as well as, you know, some encouragement, but then in a craft sense, um, I think what made the difference in my third novel is when I went back to poetry and then back to short stories, I really tried, I began to see how I could use the quality of language and imagery of poetry and the conciseness of short fiction in a longer work. And it was, um, taking those skills and bringing them to the novel that i think made a difference i think is what made that third novel different um and a little bit a little bit more skillful i mean it's still such a i feel like i'm always on a path to learning all the the craft tricks but um (laughs) or the craft skills i should say they're not really tricks um but But I do think I I did feel, you know, I I learned a few things in some writing classes and through, you know, people's reaction to what I wrote. And I began to be able to apply that um, to a lot of work.
0: Well, how do you think your MFA experience impacted your novel writing and your success as a writer?
1: Well, first of all, I'll say that, you know, I don't think anyone needs to get an Mm -hmm. MFA to be a writer, you know, um, obviously many, many people (laughs) did without it. Um, but for me, it came at a time in my life where taking those classes, um, I, it was a pledge of seriousness uh, of that. Okay. This is really what I am. And this is Mm -hmm. what, you know, um, I'm aiming for and to be among other writers who really um, cared uh, and were very serious about writing. So to be among them as peers um, made a big difference to me. And I think that um, I began to take myself, my writing more seriously. And, you know, and I continued learning. I'd been taking writing classes before the MFA. The writing classes I took there were particularly good, both because of the quality of the teachers and. The level of the students that they were all I'd, I'd say that was the biggest difference they were all sure. people who were committed to being writers um and getting feedback and response from both my teachers and those other writers um made a big difference for me it did it and I think it made I, I did ask my I ended up writing Lake of Dead Languages um in the year after I finished the MFA and I I did ask the agent who ultimately um you know agreed to represent that book, uh, whether it made a difference that I had an MFA and she said, well, you know, it wasn't the only, you know, the, the main thing was that she liked the book right. that I submitted to her, but she said the MFA did give her that sense of, well, this is somebody who's been serious and working on her craft. So it was a, a little nudge in that direction.
0: Sure. So I'm curious, is your, is your process the same from novel to novel in terms of as you begin the novel? Are you Um, doing extensive outlines before, or do you kind of just have the germ of an idea and see where the narrative takes you?
1: Well, I was first going to say, no, it's never the same. I wish it (laughs) were because I could depend on it. But then when you said about the outlines, I will say that I don't do an outline. Um, I do planning. And, you know, when I have an idea, I'll start jotting down notes and um, and then doing some research and writing more notes and It'll, you know, just sort of, I'll just keep writing notes. And eventually I'll have sort of a a rough idea of what the book is that I want to write. Very often I will have sort of a picture of what the end, you know, where I'm heading towards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I do not outline. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, they, they say that writers fall into the plotter and <laughs> pantser camps. And I'm, I'm much more in the pantser, you know, going by the seat of my pants as I write camp but um you know that doesn't mean i i'm not doing a lot of planning i'm doing sure. that in the in the form of you know uh writing notes all the time and trying to figure out like what the the um the next couple chapters are going to look like and what this section is going to look like and you know i'm thinking about structure um i sometimes really wish that i had i just don't think i have the kind of brain that <laughs> right. can plan in detail um and it it makes it harder in some ways. But then when when something does, you know, I, I kind of have to trust in the um, you know, have faith that it will work out while I'm writing on the page. And it usually does.
0: So And do you ever feel like you're on a high wire act of as you're <laughs> doing that? Support for this podcast and the following message come
2: from Corient.
3: download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with Viator
1: um it feels it's nerve-wracking it honestly <laughs> is like i mean i sat down this morning to write and i have i admit i mean i love writing i really do but i also have this little uh, every morning when i open up my notebook i have a little sense of dread um which sounds terrible. But it, <laughs> it is. It's there. And it's like, I'm not sure how this is scene's gonna, you know, what's gonna happen next. And I'll start writing and I'll be like, oh, you know, it but and then if I start seeing it, I'll get really excited. And that happened for me this morning. And there's just <laughs> nothing like that. I'm just like high for the rest of the day. I'm like, this worked out, you know, this scene developed in a way that I was not able to foresee or plan. Um and I, you know, and then I'm just like, I think it's good, you know. I was like, that little <laughs> hopeful,
3: <laughs> you
1: know. Whereas on the, on the other hand, some days I'll write in the, I write by hand and I always, I write notes in the left hand side of, the, of my notebook. Some will be like, you know, make better, you, know?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: do you So do
0: you write the whole novel by hand?
1: No. Well, I do write it by hand, but I, I do, um, I type, um, Usually I'll, I'll get into a rhythm of like writing either one or two chapters per week and then on the weekend, I'll type them up. Gotcha. So I don't I do know people who write the whole thing by hand and type it up and that <laughs> that seems really daunting to me. But for me, the the going between the handwriting and the um, the typing is a form of, you know, in progress editing right um, because I'll, I'll write a chapter or two and then when I type them up, I'm I'm refining. I'm making it better because if I've cut the note in the left-hand margin that said "make better," I'll be like, "Oh, okay." (laughs) Try to make that better now and working things out. And then I'll reread those two chapters, usually starting Monday morning, and then go on to write the next. So it's kind of a a way of um, like sort of in draft editing as I go along.
0: Well, given your success to date uh what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels
1: mm-hmm. um first you know you it it you need a lot of faith and, and <laughs> uh and really the ability you know just to keep to it um that you know don't don't be discouraged if this is what you want to do don't be discouraged by um you know the mm-hmm. You know, not having it happen immediately, and then you know, um, reading. You know, you uh, just reading as much as you can. That's that's I think where most of us start by learning how to write is um, by reading a lot, uh, reading eclectically, read the kind of books you think you want to write, and you know, and I think taking classes and finding a community of writers, pe- finding people who can give you feedback. It's really important, and that can be difficult. Sometimes you can find friends and family who are good at that, uh, but friends and family aren't always the ones that are best at that. So, you know, by taking classes or, you know, joining writing groups, you, you can hopefully find a few people who, um, you know, give you good feedback. Uh, and by good feedback, I always say good feedback, I tell my students, is feedback you can do something with. If it <laughs> stops you from writing, it wasn't good right <laughs> ignore it <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> well what what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed
1: ah so um i've been reading so i i just read a, a really great book and uh by a, a debut author called shutter by melissa larson and we just did a little talk together at a bookstore and she's going to join me for my launch um and it's a suspense novel set on an island off the coast of Maine. Um, which I happen to have met Melissa at a writer's retreat on an island off the coast of Maine. So, <laughs> uh, so that was really fun to read, and it's and it's great to read a debut author who has so much promise. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Leah Conan called uh, All the Broken People. Uh, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, joining her at a, an event at Oblong Books on July 6, as well as Melissa. And that also that's set in Woodstock and it's a, a great suspense novel. So I'm reading suspense novels. Um, I'm also doing some kind of research reading because um uh the next book I'm working on is set in the 1940s. So I've been reading some Noir, you know, some <laughs> um some Chandler and, and Laura, um, and and watching a lot of 40s movies. So it's I've been kind of going back and forth between um reading what's, you know, what's new, what's contemporary, um, and also some 40s noir
0: detective fiction. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels?
1: Well, you can go to my website, carolgoodman.com. You can go to my um, author Facebook page, Carol Goodman Author. I think if you do that, you'll find it. Um, and those I think are the best
0: places.
4: (laughs) Great.
1: And from there you could find the other places. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) yes.
0: Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Mary Higgins Clark, award-winning author, Carol Goodman. Carol's latest novel, The Stranger Behind You, is on sale now. So go buy a copy. And Carol, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Oh, such a pleasure. It was fun talking with you, Jeff.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Now stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of The Stranger Behind You by Carol Goodman, performed by Samantha Dez, available from Harper Audio, wherever audiobooks are sold.
4: It happened the night the story went live. My editor, Simon Wallace, had rented out the restaurant across the street from Manhattan's offices to celebrate. A lavish gesture even for Simon— who ran the magazine as if it were 1989. You've worked on it for three years. It's a damned fine story. You deserve to celebrate before the wolves circle. He'd given the last phrase in his husky vibrato with a wink as we stood outside the door to the restaurant. He'd warned me three years ago that if I went forward with the story, I'd be letting myself in for a holy shitstorm. He delivered the warning during my interview for a job writing for the style section of Manhattan. I'd already interviewed with a style editor, Sylvia Crosley, but apparently the big boss had to personally meet all potential new hires. The first question Simon Wallace asked when he looked at my resume was, why'd you leave the Globe? It's what I'd been afraid of. No one left an internship at the Globe voluntarily. It was the plum of journalism internships. I could have lied, made up a bullshit story about wanting to work at a different kind of publication. But instead, I told the truth. I saw Casper Osgood put his arm around his assistant, and then I saw her crying in the ladies' room. She told me she'd been sleeping with him for six months, and she was afraid that if she complained to HR, she'd be fired. She had a black eye that she'd tried to hide with makeup. The next day, she was gone and I found out she had been fired. I went to HR to ask what had happened to her and to tell them that I was worried she'd been sexually harassed. Then I was fired. No reason given because, of course, they don't have to with an intern. Simon had been silent for a moment and then said, you sound angry. The truth was, I'd been fighting back tears, digging my nails so hard into my palms I had a little crescent scars there for days after. I suppose so. Caspar Osgood shouldn't be allowed to get away with treating women that way. No man should. It sounds like you're carrying a grudge, he had said. Maybe, I'd admitted, clenching my jaw to keep it from trembling. But someone should expose him. Is that what you want to do? Expose Caspar Osgood, the darling of the conservative elite? He donates to the most powerful Republican causes and politicians and uses the globe to crusade for reform. He's well-connected and rich enough to pay for the best lawyers. A story like that would raise a holy shitstorm. It could break your career. Or make it. He'd said the last three words with a little upward lilt in his voice and a tug at the corner of his mouth, It felt like a lifeline being tossed to me just when I thought I was going under. Yes, I'd responded, not realizing how much I wanted to expose Osgood until the word was out of my mouth. I'd spent the last three weeks weeping in my apartment, sure my career as a journalist was over before it had begun. That's what I want to do. I'd like to write that story, But in the meantime, I'd really like this job writing for your style section so I can pay my rent and not have to move back in with my mother and grandmother upstate. That had made him laugh. Why not both? He'd asked. How about we hire you to write style stories for Sylvia, and in the meantime, you see what you can dig up on Osgood. If you think you've got a story in six months, pitch it to me properly, and if I think it's got legs, I'll back you up. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with holding a grudge. He'd added, winking. After paying the rent, it's the best motivator in the world.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.